Hey, it's Paulette again, and I'm honored to bring you another episode here on the Thriving in Chaos Project. Now in our fifth season, I bring you resilient survivors, key resources, and experts in their fields to lighten the load and shine a light on the path forward from confusion to conclusion through all things divorce and transformation. So let's get started. I'm hosting a retreat in Belize. Some of you may know, but I used to live there. And Belize is a melting pot of culture that carries over into the food, the music, and the fun. It is the best of both vibes from jungles to ground you and beaches to heal and soothe. I lived there for many years and go back and forth between there and Atlanta because I can't get enough. My co-host, Tiara, visited me and didn't want to leave either. No one does. This is paradise, folks. My co-host here and I chatted about the perfect all-inclusive location for you ladies that are going through a pivot in your life and need to reset, renew, and rebuild, and we nailed it. We kick off with a three-day adventure in the luxurious eco-resort Kapal Tree in the southern Belize jungle, followed by three luxurious days on Thatch K Island, a private island over water oceanfront oasis in the turquoise Caribbean along the Belize Barrier Reef. Whether you're going through or just coming out of a divorce, especially with a narcissist, a career change, or you just want to get back to the parts of you that you haven't seen in a while, we are talking to you. Make note, May 4th to the 10th, 2024, and start packing. Space is very limited on the private island and in the jungle. Be sure to act now. We have a passion for leading truly transformational healing events from heart-opening, accessible guided meditations to connection-based life-changing tools and practices. We curate each moment with care and compassion to ensure every lady is taken care of from the initial registration to the final namaste. It's better in Belize. Welcome back to the Thriving in Chaos Project. You may know who I am, Paulette Rigo, and if not, I am the founder of Better Divorce Academy and author of Better Divorce Blueprint, the book that is available on Amazon. I'm also the director of coaching and case management at Divorce Right Incorporated. You know that if you or someone you love is struggling through all things divorce, you have found the right place. I started this podcast, uh, this is year five, so four years ago, to help build a resource of uh, information and expertise uh, so that if you know where to go, you can make a better decision. So I'm glad you're here. Many years ago, I went through my own eight and a half year fully litigated divorce case that included a 12-day trial that took place over nine months. 
Uh, I assumed if there was a trial, and I didn't even know you could have a trial, but you can, uh, although only 3% of divorce cases, in fact, go to trial. So that's pretty good news, right? 97% of divorce cases don't go to trial, but the 3% that do go to trial, they're typically three or four days, but mine was 12, and they usually are not sequential, like you don't have the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. The dates are going to be whenever they happen. Um, and then after my eight and a half years of that, there was also um, involved in that, there was an appellant court process from filing to conclusion, lasted about an additional four years. So all encompassing of eight and a half years. So you have found me and a great resource for you to make better choices and make sure that whether you are contemplating, surviving, or trying to heal from the devastation of the divorce process, that you are able to make better choices. So I'm now embarking on a series of podcast episodes of the 12 worst divorce mistakes people make. And this is number one. I'm going to start with the most common one that I see consistently time and time again, people make, men or women, doesn't matter. They uh, fall into these similar patterns and I am putting this series together for you so that you can avoid each and every one of them. Some of them seem like common sense, maybe some of them not, but regardless, this is what I see through all of my years of expertise as both a certified divorce coach a certified divorce specialist and a certified amicable divorce professional, but also a credentialed mediator. I mediate cases so that case so that clients can avoid going through litigation. Now, some people need to litigate. I am by no means anti-litigation for those that need it. So if there's secrecy in your uh, marriage and you do not have any idea of your uh, finances, or um, many other reasons you should consider litigation. But it's a small percentage of people that need to go all the way to trial. Don't forget the 3%. That's not to say that there's gonna be a hybrid of people that litigate that maybe could have avoided it, and perhaps people that ran right into mediation and realized, oops, um, I think I need to litigate um, because there's too much secrecy or lack of information. You have a need for gathering facts. And if you don't have access to them and you're not in the know, chances are it's going to be hard to make smart choices if you are not aware of all of your assets and debt. So be careful with that. Now, there are five methods of divorce and four categories of uh, information or decision-making in which people need to focus on when they are embarking on the decision to divorce. And just for a quick review, the five methods of divorce, and this is a generalization, are what I like to call DIY. DIY, it's like your Home Depot divorce. Uh, not picking on Home Depot, uh, but... You know, when you're going to do your own kitchen and you go down and you do it yourself, you pick it out, you do the plumbing, the electrical, the layout, the design, all of it. You do all of it yourself. Uh, now, you can do the same with your divorce, but if you've been married a long time and you have children and significant assets, it could end up becoming a mess. 
So be careful with that. The second method is mediation. And there are three forms of mediation, court appointed, which is typically one of the methods of mediation, uh, meaning parts of litigation, where mediation is a part of a litigated case. Now, most states are also requiring mediation as being part of a litigation. So some people think, oh, we mediated, but yes, you did as part of a litigated case, but you didn't mediate prior to litigating. So be careful with that. Uh, private mediation with attorneys present would be the second form and private mediation without attorneys present. Now, does that, that does not mean that you cannot and should not be represented by counsel. It just means that you're not paying them to be there during mediation. Sometimes you need to pay them to be there during mediation. Sometimes you do not. It's case dependent. The third form or method of divorce would be considered collaborative or collaborative law. And that is a team approach. It doesn't always have a high success rate. It, when it works, it works beautifully, but if it doesn't work, then you have to start all over again. So do your research on collaborative. It's very successful if both parties are on board and you have a strong team. The fourth one is arbitration. Arbitration is much like hiring a private judge who is going to make your decision for you. Now, uh, you can also be prepared and uh, represented by counsel to get you to a point where when arbitration happens that you're not walking into this blind, but you're able to present your case well uh, both parties should do that. But then the arbitrator is then going to look at the body of evidence of the case and come to a decision. Uh, it is uh, final and it cannot be appealed. So you're going to want to make real sure that your arbitrator is someone that you trust. And lastly, good old-fashioned litigation where one party is the plaintiff, the other is the defendant, and it's very complicated. So this is not time for breaking down what that looks like, but understand that there are many methods of divorce and those four categories that people typically need to focus on are 1A, legal custody, 1B, physical custody, two, child support, three, division of marital assets and debt, now, some states are community property and some are equitable division. So you're going to need to do your research on that. And lastly, spousal support, also known as alimony. Those are the four categories that people need to know about in the divorce process. So what are the mistakes that people make? And they're common, right? By no means is this an exhaustive list, but these are commonplace essential mistakes that I see as a divorce coach and a mediator. Number one, they trust their spouse to do the right thing. I, you know, why wouldn't you? You married for love. You met this person many years ago and you slowly courted one another. You got to know each other. Uh, some people faster than others, but 
you got to know each other, right? You got to know each other's families, your likes, your dislikes, your idiosyncrasies, the things that make you tick, and you just got to know each other well, or so you thought. And of course, you married for love, right? You married because you fell in love and you thought that this relationship was going to be one that was fulfilling and happy. And love is supposed to conquer all and last forever. I'm not being sarcastic. I really mean that. And you trusted each other to always have each other's back, right? To be there for each other in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. You remember, right? The the vows. But what, what happens when people change, people grow, evolve, uh, they realize that, hmm, the person I married isn't the person I see before me anymore. Or sometimes people put up um, false, uh, shall we say, veils of who they thought they were. And people grow and mature naturally. If you met somebody in your late teens and early 20s or even into your 30s, and you're now in your 40s and 50s and 60s and beyond, well, raise your hand if you think that you and your spouse have grown and evolved or are different people than when you first met. I would say there's a lot of hands up in the air right now because we do grow and change. But with that said, we assume that we have each other's back and we're always going to do the right thing for each other. But here's the thing, that is rarely the case in divorce. Emotions run high, and when money is involved, and egos are involved, and finger pointing, and blame, and family dynamics, and many other uh, instances of um, the past come up, watch out. Because your spouse, typically, when they are forced to have to share uh, children, and assets and debt and make decisions about uh, their lives and their future. People can get nasty. They don't always do the right thing. There's my air quotes, everyone, right? So be careful. I'm not saying that your spouse won't do the right thing, but know that it is not common for a partner to go astray with that. So what is the right thing you ask, right? Well, the right thing would be to have a conversation about the marriage, make a decision about whether the marriage can be healed, transformed, fixed. I hate to use the word saved, but whether the marriage is uh, able to get the right um help to get back on track because sometimes we get off track. So if the marriage can, then by all means, get that help and make it happen. But if the marriage can't for whatever reason, and there are many of them, you now have to make a decision about the best way to manage the demise of the marriage, the failure of the marriage, where both parties should take responsibility for the role in which they played in the demise of the relationship and the demise of the marriage so that they can still, if there's children, co-parent together 
And there are many different ways of parenting, parenting, co-parenting, parallel parenting, and in some cases, what's known as counter-parenting. Now, if co-parenting is the goal, you're going, and you have children naturally, you're going to have to be able to communicate with each other with kindness and respect. Doesn't mean you need to be friends, doesn't mean you need to still celebrate holidays together, but there does need to be a baseline of a mutual decision for both parties to collectively work together for the betterment of the children and the best interest of the children so that they can grow up in a stable and loving environment. They will have two homes with perhaps two sets of rules and guidelines, but they know in, the, in their heart that mom and dad are different people, but they're doing the best they can and mom and dad both love me. So the right thing would be to be honest, transparent, financially transparent, and share all financial documents from the day you were married to the day that you're listening to this recording, because that is considered a marital asset. Now, premarital is another conversation. And even in those instances, based on your state and your legal representation and how complicated your case is, there may be an argument for some percentage of premarital. This is not legal advice, but know that marital has like a bubble. And if you take assets from premarital and you pierce the bubble, shall we say, or cross the line of the circle, and you're now commingling, it's very difficult to delineate what was premarital and what is now marital. Let's say you have a, a car and you sell it and you use those proceeds and you buy a fam use that money to buy a family car with. You can see where there might be some confusion or gray area of what is premarital and what is now marital. And back in the day, you could probably find a canceled check in your attic or your parents' attic or basement because you used to get the actual canceled checks back years, but now everything is digital or in the cloud. And it's very difficult to retrieve financial uh, trails or paperwork going back any more than three to five years without exhaustive forensic accounting and bank records. So it is hard to delineate where did this actual fund come from? Is it marital or perhaps was it premarital? But financial transparency is again, one thing that we expect or tr trust our spouse to do. And not everybody wants to do that. They see it as none of your business. So be careful with trusting your spouse to do the right thing and knowing what in fact, what is the right thing. Making decisions that are in the best interest of the family unit moving forward for the children and both parties, being transparent with assets and debt and allowing both parties to move on without interference in a loving, respectful manner. Now, I know that sounds like kumbaya and utopia, but it is possible. I see it every day. 
If you yourself are contemplating divorce or your spouse just told you, I'm not happy, I want a divorce, or you're in the thick of it and you really need support to make better choices to get you through this because you do not want to spend needless amounts of money and waste precious time, lose relationships and experience tons of heartache needlessly. So don't go it alone. I'm here. I can help. So thanks for finding me, founder of Better Divorce Academy, Paulette Rigo. And until next time, you know to keep thriving in the chaos. Thanks for joining me today. If you were inspired by today's episode, please share it with a friend or a loved one. My hope is you feel empowered to take some action, no matter how big or small. Action that allows you to step out of the chaos and thrive on your own terms. If this podcast added any value to your day, please review it on iTunes, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Until next time, keep thriving in the chaos.